Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey, there he is. How's everybody doing? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We're presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. And all I know is that all I can control is the quality of the content that we drop week after week after week. And if you're listening to this, then you've made a very good decision, my friends. And I'm very glad that you've chosen to ride with me. Whether you do it for a day, this episode, whether you come back next week, whether you become a lifetime listener, I hope, no matter how long you ride with me, that you will ride with me and see where this journey goes, because it's going to be a hell of a story. I am very excited today because this interview that I have with Josh Sewell is one of my favorites that I've done. I know I shouldn't pick favorites, but dude, I'm telling you, this is an awesome episode and it is just like an hour and 25 minutes of just straight flow, just straight flow. Josh and I start with the program that he's doing up at NYU. He's getting his doctorate degree and the path that got him there. And then we run it back to childhood, and we bring it all the way back to him describing what it was like growing up for him. You know, we take turns sharing about what our experiences were like growing up with an absent father. We talk trauma. We talk all different kinds of stuff. And from there, we transition our conversation into basketball and how he used that as a way to get to where he wanted to go. Basketball was his vehicle. And he even says in this interview, it's awesome. He's like, dude, basketball was my job, man. And I did not want to go to Trinity. And I I just like, that just blew me away. I was just like, wow, this is like, okay, now this is getting good. Like, keep going. You know, it's like, we really got deep here. And he was feeling like, you know, I'm good at basketball. Everybody holds me to these expectations and says, oh, you're so, you know, you're good at basketball, you know? And I I likened it to being like Troy Bolden from High School Musical. I'm like, dude, remember that scene? And his dad's like, but you're the basketball guy, you know? He's just like all fired up. And I'm like, that's you, man. You're you're fucking Troy Bolden, you know? But he's like, man, you know, I, I, I saw basketball as an opportunity that was going to potentially bring me a certain lifestyle and my mom a certain lifestyle and that's what I'm trying to that, that's what I try to do with it right and then he takes us to a time where shit really hit the fan for him where he was injured so he wasn't able to do the thing that he felt like compelled to do and he was going through some personal stuff off the court one of his best friends passed away he's got some stuff going on back at home while basketball's on pause, he talks about what kind of a state of mind that that put him in and what some of that and, and those periods of depression looked like for him. Coping mechanisms. You know, we talk kids. We talk family trauma. I introduce some of you, if you know me and have known me long enough, you've heard me talk about T-Tomp, my boy Terrell Tompkins, you know, a player to be named later. But uh, I'm going to open it up to everybody on this one and and share this one. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Yeah, we talk more family trauma. We talk about relationships with food. And, you know, he makes a really good point about, do you realize that food is ruled by the same administration that legislates drugs? right? Think about that. The Food and Drug Administration. Wow, we use those two things interchangeably. Has anybody ever thought, I've never, it's so funny, but it's like, oh, wow, like, that is really weird. Like, that's odd. 
you know? And I'm sure there's a million different reasons for why it should be that way, but it also is just very interesting to have these two things lumped in together and legislated by the same group. Uh, I, I And I never stopped to think about that. Like, huh, there's a lot of overlap there. So he brings up that really good point and many more really good points. I mean, this dude just drops dimes all day long, reminiscent of an old school Sewell on the court. Like, my man, my man's got the wisdom, man. And I, and I just, you know, I was listening back to this when I was making edits and producing and, and kind of going over all the tape and... I I I I personally really enjoyed listening back to this one because I just enjoy listening to Josh talk. I mean, he's just a cool cat, man. He's just smooth, and you, you hear it in his voice. He's just like Barry White over here, you know. It's just like, dude, this guy is spitting some real talk right now, and I'm so glad that we could find the time to get him over to the studio. And um, this is a really good episode, so I feel really good about it. We end up wrapping up with some of Josh's most truisms, his realist talk, and my man just opens his heart up and lets it flow straight from the source, man. So really, really great episode. If you enjoy it as much as I do, okay? If you enjoy listening to Josh just as much as I did in the moment and listening back to it. I mean, I was like listening to it. I'm not even kidding. This isn't even an ego thing. I'm not even saying that I'm that good or anything. I was just captivated listening to him speak. I mean, he's got that power, man. He's got the gift of gab. And I was listening to this guy like getting lost in it as if I'm listening to it for the first time, as if I'm not the one that's sitting on the other side of the table. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is good, man. So uh, if you are somewhere on that, you're like, okay, okay, calm down over here. It was good, but it's not, okay, hater. Okay. If you do vibe with it and you really, really like it and you resonate, something that, that we talk about like connects and you feel like it's hitting, okay? It's hitting different then I would love for you to let me know about it. And the way that you can do that is by one, one, subscribing, okay? Subscribe to this podcast so that next week when this thing drops, you're locked in, you're ready to go, pops up on your feed, boom. But please let me know with a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps me out. It helps me grow the show. People look at that stuff. And if you're listening to this and you're not on Apple Podcasts, then the way that you can help me out is by going to the Facebook page for this show at Real Talk W Benny T and leaving a rating and a review on there. So that is really how you guys can help me grow this show. And if you enjoyed the episode and you think that somebody else would benefit or you know, you're a family member and you want to send it to the other family member that doesn't have an iPhone or like please share this. Share this with as many people as possible. I mean that is awesome exposure and and I just you know I wouldn't say that if I didn't feel that a lot of people could benefit from hearing about the stuff that we talk about so I think everybody should listen to it now you know I'm maybe a little biased right but I truly believe that we've got some really special content here some really good stuff so please 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 share it share it with a coworker, share it with a friend share it with your family Listen to it with the dog, you know? I speak dog. Most people don't know that. I am a dog, all right? Ooh, all right, we in the building, okay? And I, I just listen. Like, animals vibe with it too, right? So just anybody, please plug your boy up. I have a couple of plugs that I want to get to really quickly. Josh can be found on Instagram at Sewell Said, okay? That's S-E-W-E-L-L-S-I-D-E-E, Sewell Said, two E's, okay? That's Instagram. Also on Twitter at 
suicide. Just one E. Just one E that time, okay? Two E's on the gram, one E on Twitter, but you can definitely go and check him out. And that's honestly like the genesis of me reaching out to him and saying, dude, you know, when are you going to be home or would you want to hop on a Zoom call because you post a lot of stuff that I just read and I'm just like, man, this clicks with me. Like I'm vibing with this. Like this is really good stuff, you know. I, I enjoy following him and being connected with him on social media. And um, I think that uh, if you obviously enjoy this show or some of the other episodes that we've done, some of the things that I talk about on my social media channels, at BennyTomp18 everywhere, um, t- <laughs> uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and then at RealTalkWBennyT on the Facebook page, and also there's an Instagram account that I made for the show, all of these things that we're talking about and hitting on is stuff that uh, you can find on my feeds as well as Josh's. So make sure that you go and give the boy a follow. Couple other quick plugs. This show is typically about the people that I meet driving for Uber. I've gotten to a point now where I'm just starting to say, you know, this show is really about people. I mean, at the end of the day, the Uber Stories concept is a vehicle, literally and figuratively, for me to meet people and connect with people and get their stories. That's what it's about. And when I sit down with people like Josh or like some of the other upcoming guests that I'm going to quickly preview and run through here, then we're doing life stories, man. We're doing people. We're dissecting people. We're deconstructing people. We're, we're, we're understanding what makes people tick? Where does this come from? How did you overcome that? Where did like that is what interests me the most? And I love that. I love that. So it's real people, it's real stories, it's real talk. But usually, when I do have my car, I've been having some car troubles. Okay. I've been having some car troubles. So I've been off the road. I can't wait to get back on road. Hopefully, in the next couple weeks. In the absence of that, I've been doing more interviews. But I want you to send me your Uber stories. Okay, I know you have them. If you take Uber or you take Lyft, you probably got some doozies out there. Guys, girls, whoever you are, however you may be listening, if you have a good Uber story and you want to share it, it could be crazy, it could be inspiring, it could be, oh my God, I sat in this Uber and this guy or girl was totally like my therapist for 15 minutes and I'm like, hey, don't I know how that goes? I love that though. I love that, okay? And I would love it if you would also send those to me and I'll feature them on the show because we have a segment, you know, a, a, a listener-generated segment called Uber Stories, but it's your Uber Stories. So I would love for those to be sent to me. You can send those to me at realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com. That's the email for the show. Send that stuff to me. We'll get them plugged up. You can also DM them uh, across any social media channels if you wish, either at realtalkwbennyt or at BennyTomp18. And also, here's something else that I like to do on the show, life advice. I mean, a lot of what we're doing, rider to rider and and interviews, and I'm doing life advice, man. We're talking about life when we're talking about people. And there's a big group of people that maybe they don't live in Louisville right now, you know? Maybe I'm not going to live in Louisville one day. Um, Maybe they don't take Ubers, you know? Like, I I just, maybe our paths aren't going to connect in that way, at least right now, currently. But that doesn't mean that you can't get some real talk from your boy. So if you're dealing with something, you know, I just met up with a friend a couple of days ago, uh, this past weekend, 
And, you know, they're about to turn 30 years old, have been in almost a 10-year relationship, have been married, and we were talking about them about to get a divorce and being like, oh my God, like, I'm not even 30 yet and I'm getting a divorce and I don't even know how I got here, you know? I, I this, this, this is totally shocking to me, you know? And, and they called me and we went and sat and hung out for a couple hours and, like, I am that you know I I you can come to me with anything and I'm not gonna judge you and I'm not gonna out you and if you feel comfortable enough sharing your name or any details about your life cool if you say hey don't share my name or where I work or whatever or better yet just don't even put that in the email okay but you can send things to me anonymously or with your name on them at realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com and we will get you plugged up on the life advice segment. I call it the doctor is in. A little play on the peanuts with, uh, you know, Lucy out there doing her thing. The psychiatrist is in. The doctor is in, baby. So that's what we're doing. All right, so send me your life advice and I'll get you plugged up. I'll give you some real talk. Last thing I want to plug up before I run through these guests very quickly is, uh, you know, I used to use a lot of different music on the show for intros and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I've since moved away from that because at some point, you know, I don't want to get sued for uh, infringement on, uh, like, usage, right? I, I'm not paying any licensing fees for the music that I use on the show because, shout out to Ixon, my guy, is providing royalty-free music that actually slaps. I love the intro and outro for the show. But that doesn't mean that I'm not still updating my Real Talk with Ben Tompkins playlist on Apple Music and on Spotify. And if you're on either one of those um, music platforms, then you can go. And it's basically like a, I'm almost like, it's like a journal, you know? It's like every week I add a new song, what would be the intro. And for the first year of the show, I was using those intros. Now I moved away from that. And so you can find all the music that is, you know, not used on the show anymore, but just in spirit, you know? It's like the song that's in my head when I'm taping these intros, right? All that stuff can be found. Uh, I am on both of those, Apple Music and I'm pretty sure on Spotify as well, at BennyTomp18, okay? And there's many other playlists. You know, if you're curious about what I play when I'm with my writers, I have a multitude of playlists. There's a Sunday Soul playlist. There's the Uber Jams playlist. There are, you know, just 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 a bunch of different music. I'm a, an eclectic person, you know? I, I, I love my soul. I love my Motown hits. I love some John Mayer, you know, some Dave Matthews band in there. Throw in some Kanye and some Drake and some rap, some Jeezy. was good? All right, Rich Homie Quan. And then also all the Tropical House, Kygo, Avicii, all that stuff. Galantis. So really good stuff. Quickly, okay? Quickly. I have um, some upcoming guests that I want to run through. Next week, I am so thrilled to have Roz Poole join me. She is a lifetime educator. She's worked in education for forever and ever and ever. And uh, she is one of the people who I trace my love for storytelling back to, going back as far as sitting crisscross applesauce in Goshen Elementary back in the 90s. And she's reading us this this book that she used to come in every single holidays and read to each and every single one of the classes. It was something that we looked forward to every year. She's going to come on and she's agreed to read a little snippet of this book and uh, we'll get her life story. And I can't wait to do that. So she's going to be next week. The week after that, my man, Bill Young, Wild Bill, shout out to a real one. The 10-year anniversary of the North Oldham High School 
2A state championship is this year. It's hard to believe. And uh, back in the day, I used to run the 100 and the 200, play a little ball myself, right? A little track and field myself. Bill was the coach. And it's been a while since we've connected, but I just thought, you know what, this this is coming up, and like I don't know how many state championships that North Oldham can claim, but I know that we got one, and I know that I was on that team, and I know that I was our guy, our glue guy, our energy guy, right? And um, I can't wait to get Bill on the podcast, and he's going to be in studio, and dude, I'm telling you, this guy is just like chock full of these little like one-liners and I mean he's you know he's a math teacher forever and ever and ever and so he's a character man and I cannot wait to get him in studio towards the end of the month Julie Fast is going to join the show she has published four books she is a bipolar expert and she suffers from bipolar herself so not only is she coming from and bringing an expertise in the sense that she has made this her life work but also she has had to figure out all of these things for herself and regulating herself and her moods and how she deals with it and how it's feeling when she's not feeling well and how you overcome that and how you don't let something like bipolar disorder or whatever disorder you may have from disrupting your life and keeping you from achieving the things that you were put here to do, okay? So that is going to be coming up at the end of the month. I'm trying to also get a trauma specialist on the show. I'm, I'm actively searching uh, for somebody that feels like they'd be a good fit and somebody that's credible in the trauma field because uh, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about trauma and uh, we think about trauma as really big events, right? Like watching an abusive episode or being in a car crash or serving in a war, like seeing horrific things. But what we also fail to realize is that Trauma is anything that gives you the fight or flight feeling within your body. That 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 feeling that you that that you experience when you when your nervous system is like getting rushed with adrenaline and and you feel that like oh my god like like I'm I'm either going to throw them up or I'm going to dip set, you know, like and that can be caused by anything. That can be caused by getting home and knowing that things not might be great or how you know whatever example whatever it looks like in your life but but that's something that like you know we don't have to have this big like knock down drag out fight or this huge thing that happens to feel traumatized and for our body to respond in a way that starts to normalize that and then we don't even realize that and i really want to go much deeper into that because that was a really interesting thing and and changed the way that i look at trauma. So, those are all of the upcoming guests. I'm really excited about it in the absence of not having the car. We've got great content no matter what. I also am getting an intern. I think that's going to be pretty dope. Uh somebody to help me out because at this point I'm just doing things all on my own and um I'm really looking forward to getting an intern. Um Really, really quickly before we, ah, I want to do these so bad, but I think if I run through these, it's just going to be way too much time to hop into this interview and I might lose you before I even get you. So I need to let you know that I'm going to 
post another one. I'm going to, you know what? We're going to do a two for one today, okay? Because recently I went on a hike this past weekend. Hikes and, and like when I feel most connected, it's always when I go walk in nature and I'm surrounded by things that are way bigger than me and it just really puts things into perspective. And the deeper that I go into the woods is the deeper that I get into myself. And from that comes a lot of really good conversations and thoughts. And I want to expand on some of those, but I'm just not going to be able to do that and feel good about this episode because it's just going to take me way too long to get into the interview. And I don't want to do that. So I'm going to have a separate episode today as well on some hiking thoughts from the weekend. And uh, there's some really good stuff in there, you know, and I already gave one out. So here's a little teaser, but this is the kind of vibe that we're going to be on. Climb with who you align with. Mm. <laughs> really good stuff coming up on that one. Okay. But not as good as my man right here. Without further ado, here's Josh Sewell. Okay, we now welcome to the show Josh Sewell. Josh, what's going on, man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm feeling good. Yeah, man. It's good to see you. It's been a really long time, you know? Over 10 years, probably. It's definitely been a decade, though, but you're looking good, feeling good, <laughs> man. I'm glad, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, um, you're home just for, you've been home for a couple weeks, and then you're leaving to go to New York tomorrow as of taping, right? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's blessed to be back. Um, it's been a while since I've been home. I just came here to see family, though. You know, I, uh, I'm i a doctoral student up at NYU right now, and I work in New York City. I've been there for like the past two years, so any ounce of time I get, I have to come on and see family, right? I love Louisville. Ain't no place like it. Yeah. Dude, that statement alone, I'm a doctoral student at NYU. Like, how smart are you? Like, what's your IQ? Like, no, all my intelligence comes from my mother and my father. None of that's, none of that's me. That's just God. <laughs> that's just God, man. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll, I obviously want to ask you what the application process was like, because that's one of the toughest places to possibly get into. Hey, it was a beast, man. And when I tell you I gave up everything just to be in New York City, just to be at NYU, man, I gave up everything. At the time, I was uh, I was already in the doctoral program at Bellarmine. I was teaching at Bellarmine. I was also working for the mayor. Uh, I had a condo downtown. I had, you know, the girl of my dreams. I was I was living good. And yeah. I gave up everything just because I felt like there was more out there and there was more on the other side, man. So a lot of sacrifice um, in the application process was fine. I mean, I've been in academia for a while, uh, but it was uh, it was good. I'm just I'm just glad I'm, I'm here now, man. It's, and to have two years to look back and reflect on that, man, it's good. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. How many years do you stay in medical school? Uh, doctor, so to be a professor rather than like, um, gotcha. Okay, not, yeah, not a doctor. People, people say that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you, most uh, programs are about four to three years. Um, but I have a lot of credit, so I like just have two more years left, and I'm good. Gotcha. Yeah, two more years. What's your field? Higher education. Yeah, yeah. So my end goal is to be like a president of a university or a vice provost or something like that. That'd be dope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one day at a time. You know, I've done the professor thing, um, and I love it. Worked in the private sector, you know, worked in the financial sector, you know, worked in sports, obviously. So I have my hands in a lot of different things. And, yeah, just doing something that aligns with my purpose and my most authentic self. So, I, you know, feels good. Good. Yeah, yeah you wear it well. You're fucking glowing over here. Yeah, hey, man, that's, hey, I'm, I'm blessed. Again, just feeling celebrated, 
melanated, vaccinated. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we're good out here. We're good out here. Okay, so we will go through a lot of this different stuff because, I, yeah, I definitely want to dig deep on your experiences in these different fields, um, things you've learned along the way, who mm-hmm. your mentors were, yeah. and uh, uh, then, you know, moving up to New York City. I mean, you talk about leaving your hometown yeah. and then going to the biggest place in the world, yeah, basically. City in America, right? yeah. So bright lights, a lot of <laughs> yeah. fast moving parts, and yet you're up there doing it. So that's amazing. That's awesome. So keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, We'll get there. But first, I want to start going back to where you grew up, how you grew up. Um, We were talking a little bit before we started, and you're like, yeah, people know me as the basketball guy, right? So you're like Troy Bolton over here. You're like, (laughs) look, I'm the basketball guy, you know? But you you are um, such a beautiful human being. You have all these different sides to you, and uh, I've been watching you and the things that you've been talking about mm-hmm. and manifesting and posting yeah, yeah. online and yeah. uh i'm really happy that we could make this happen and to have you in the studio is awesome so yeah. thank you so much for being no, here th- thank you so much for having me man like i was telling you before the podcast man i really appreciate all the hard work that you've been put in i've been admiring it from afar <laughs> you've done incredible things man and again you get to do something where you just your most authentic self man and that is like an incredible blueprint for, you know for anybody who's a millennial or gen z to really figure out a way to tap in something that just uplifts your spirit right and that's what this podcast does and you uplift a lot of different voices right so that's incredible man i'm proud of you my guy hey proud of you this guy's gonna be fucking crying (laughs) i'm crying in the club (laughs) (laughs) no i'm proud of you for real thank you yeah absolutely thank you um Let me think. Did you say like start from the beginning? Yeah. So were you born here in Louisville? I was born here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, in the West End. Um, My mother still lives there. I love that place. It's such a tight knit to my identity. Um, In what part? West End, 15th Street. 15th Street. I don't want to drop an address. You know, people may pull up, pull up to the crib. Yeah. So you know where like Beecher Terrace used to be. Yep. Yeah. So like one block away from there, it's like on the intersection between like Village West. Beach of Terrace, and then where I stay at, yeah, on, okay. on, on 15th. So, and for people outside of Louisville that might not know, Beecher Terrace was somewhere that was so notorious, I guess, for having yeah. a high crime rate that they actually tore those projects down, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think if we look at any major city in the United States, um, in the inner city that are extremely under resourced or have been like historically excluded from resources Mm -hmm. you know there's a correlation with crime right yeah and growing up you know that was still just home there was a lot of love there you know certainly like crime is was prevalent right um but when you live around people who just show you so much love and and uplift you you know you kind of are like insouciant to that right it's like something that's in the shadows right the only time you really hear about that is like on the news right right so um, but yeah, I mean, I love I love the West End. You know, I don't I know that like there's a connotation to it, but you know that's a place that you know forever is just I wear like a badge of honor, right? I'm I'm proud to be from there, right? Um, because I mean, statistically, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm I'm really not. You know, my mother um, raised me there, um, the same place. She lived in the exact same place uh, since I was one years old. You know, she was a maid, single mother. Um, doing what she had to do and everything that I do is just to emulate like her values and just her she's like an incredible woman you know and my old man he uh 
he grew up in a small village in Nigeria, you know, so a uh, son of an immigrant. Uh, and, you know, my story is like really unconventional. But, but the fact that I'm just here, I'm just like, I'm again, man, I'm blessed and I'm feeling good. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, absolutely. So I have an older brother, Wayne Sewell. Shout out to him. He's my he's my idol. He's my hero. Um, and on my dad's side, I have about five siblings. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I have a, I wouldn't say blended family. I don't, and where we come from, we don't say like stepsister or stepfather. Like <laughs> even your next door neighbor, that's like your cousin. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, I have, a, I have a pretty big family. My mother comes from like 12 siblings, you know? So wow. yeah, ma- massive family. You know, my dad's Nigerian and he has like a blended family too. I mean, we don't, I don't want to play into the stereotypes of what it's like to be Nigerian, but yeah, yeah. So I have a, I have a pretty big family. I don't even know what those would he, be. He's so. down, we're not even about to put that energy in the world, right? <laughs> we're not even about to breathe life into the <laughs> Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. So yeah, we will not perpetuate No, those. no, I appreciate you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so when you were growing up, was it just you and Wayne living with your mom or were you seeing your dad and uh, your other brothers and sisters and siblings? Nah, so I, I never grew up having a relationship with my dad at all. Um, I would say like some of it was like immigration issues, right? But um, most of you know my dad just being absent because you know he just had another family. He lived he lived in Atlanta, and it was just me and my mother. And my brother lived in the house with me until he was like mm, sixteen. He got kicked out the house, so it was just me and her rocking for. You know, most of my most of my young adolescent life. Um, How so much older is he than you? Eleven years, yeah, eleven okay. years. Yeah. That's a pretty big gap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, nine. I don't even know how old I nine. Nine years. <laughs> yeah, nine years. It's a nine. It's a nine year gap. It's yeah. a nine gap. Yeah. But that's that can be. I mean, that can be a lot when you're growing up and to think where you're at at uh, you know four and five years old when you start talking and yeah yeah like, obviously you start talking before that but when you really start <laughs> to like you know be an independent thinker yeah and, yeah, yeah and you're walking around and you're like you know yeah, yeah, shots yeah, for yourself. yeah good point yeah. and your your brother is what like 15 14 so he's flirting right there at that line with like getting ready to go to high school and you guys are just at totally different points of your life yeah absolutely but where i come from you kind of grow up a little bit fast because everywhere he went i went right so everything he was doing i was adjacent to it and seeing it right yeah. um and yeah he yeah he's incredible um he showed me and taught me a lot i don't know if he i don't know if he knows that but <laughs> yeah that's my guy yeah that's what this podcast is for let <laughs> people know that we love yeah, him yeah you know? absolutely for sure shout out wayne shout out to wayne yeah so was um uh, i guess was your dad here when you were born or did he always stay in Atlanta? Did your mom move up here after she had you? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. So my dad was there when I was born. He left when I was about two years old. Yeah, yeah, okay. and, yeah. And then, you know, he would come back and visit here and there like, you know, every three or four years. Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, I don't know, like 11 or something. I just really didn't care to see him. I don't know, because I didn't necessarily think that it was like a big deal because, you know, most of my friends in my neighborhood, none of us had dads, right, or who were around and present, right? They were like either in prison or just, you know, doing their own thing. So it wasn't until like you get much older till you realize the impact of like of having a father that's absent and it didn't really it never really impacted me right i think i'd be a completely different person if my dad was around right i definitely would i don't think i probably would have accomplished 
90% of what I did if he was around for sure. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, it's all love there. You know, he's he's an old man. He's he's a brilliant, brilliant man. He's he's a genius in, in every sense <laughs> of the word. Uh, but excellent, excellent human being, beautiful soul, but was never much of a father. Yeah, yeah. not at all. I can certainly relate to that. I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, the nice middle-class family growing yeah. up and then... 08 hit and my yeah. parents got divorced and yeah. we saw our dad a little bit. And, Absolutely. Um, I went through periods of time where I didn't go over there and see him. Yeah. We had a really tough time with our family going through a divorce in a Catholic family is yeah. really, really it taboo. Is. So yeah. um, I am still kind of estranged. I mean, there was probably like 10 years that went by without any communication at all. Yeah. Um, How did that impact you on high school? <laughs> Awful. Yeah, yeah, Awful. Yeah. Awful. Because I was left to fill this void mm-hmm. in my life, and I either filled that with, um, you know, like a, I've been raised by a composite father figure. True. Right? Of all these different coaches and mm-hmm. dads and mm-hmm. Coach Leach and like yeah. all these different people that yeah. I look at, and I'm like, I got something from him, and I got something from him, and I got something from him. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's 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 funny. It's uh, it doesn't make much sense to people if they can't relate to this. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is cringy to hear me say this. Okay, but hear me out. Is that like what you were saying when you grow up and nobody in the neighborhood really has a dad yeah. around? You don't really question it because that's like the normality of what's going on, right? Absolutely, yeah. When I grew up in a middle class household out here Mm -hmm. and i look around and there's not many other families that are going through divorce absolutely i'm looking at a bunch of white faces with (laughs) a dad that's there and the mom that's there and i'm like i don't really connect with that Mm -hmm. all my friends have these you know seemingly happy families on the on the surface but i don't really connect with that but it was through watching films and watching tv shows mm-hmm. and listening to rappers talk about their experiences growing up without a yeah, dad yeah. that i started to connect more to the black experience in that sense because i was just like i i don't have this beautiful happy family like but yeah, yeah. but this dude talking about like kanye west talking about him and his mom like yeah. all the shit that they went through and Absolutely. drake same thing like yeah yeah i'm just like dude that hits way deeper to me than anything else Hey, real quickly, I just want to take a pause because I want to clarify something because I don't want to perpetuate negative stereotypes. And I didn't mention this, but also in addition to those things that I'm talking about, about watching depictions of black families and and like the quote unquote black experience through movies and and TV shows like yeah that that is a perpetuation of stereotypes it can be sometimes sometimes they can be accurate stories that are told but also um I, the thing that I didn't mention was that I would grow up with athletes and being an athlete and seeing some of my teammates and growing up on basketball courts and in football locker rooms and just around sports in general, watching some of my favorite athletes, you know, a lot of those guys were also dealing with some of these family dynamics that we're discussing here in this episode. And when I would see that, when I would watch it on television, my favorite athletes, and when I would have those conversations with my teammates, I just connected to them. I felt... I, I, I felt seen and I felt heard and I felt like I could relate to that way more than I could relate to 
any of the other kids on my team that weren't dealing with divorce or absentee parents. They're just, uh, it, it, was, it was like uh, something that a lot of kids weren't really dealing with. But I felt the need to point this out and mention this because like I, I wish that I would have in the moment. It just, you know, didn't get to it. But um, I wanted to revisit this because I don't want to perpetuate the stereotype of just the black dad that's never there or, you know, absentee father and, and the, the black experience guaranteeing that because that's not true. Because I also grew up with black families whose dad was the coach or whose dad would get done with work and then be at every practice and every game. Like I also saw those things. So I didn't want anybody to listen to that and think that um, the way that it sounds is that like I'm just watching movies and television shows and that's where I'm getting my perception of, you know, the black family dynamics. It's 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 much more than that, okay? And I just wanted to acknowledge that that view is a little bit problematic, okay? But given this additional context, I just want everybody to know that I, I don't think that that's all there is to it and that there's no nuance about it. So everybody cool? We're cool? Okay, back to the interview. Absolutely, man. And thank you for sharing that for sure. And I think especially like when you're in high school, we always search for avenues to see ourselves and our experiences reflected, right? And most of the time that's music, right? That's why we kind of grow up being really emo because we're listening <laughs> to music that's yeah. like have us in our, in our feelings and everything though. But yeah, again, and when you were saying that, I also just kind of think about how that also would have like influenced your success too, right? Because you've done incredible things, right? And most of the time, like, uh, you know, when we contextualize it, like an experience like that, it's traumatic, right? And we, you know, and people have like very like, I don't want to call it PTSD because there's levels to PTSD, right? Sure. But like this post-traumatic growth, people don't talk about that enough, right? About how the absence of someone or losing somebody that, you know, means the world to you is such a tight knit to your identity and how that can really kind of catapult you to have this internal investigation. Like what, what the hell does that mean? And what am I going to do as a result? Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess subconsciously, you know, we both probably did that in our lives. I mean, as a kid, I don't know if I had like, you know, the psychological bandwidth to think about that. Right. Um, I just funneled it into other things, you know, and basketball was one of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're, well, and to be fair, yours happened much earlier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm kind of like right at that middle school, high school age, starting yeah. to go through some of this and yeah. then gaining perspective on it years later. Yeah. But you're growing up even from a younger age, just like. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you, where I come from people grow up really, really fast. Right. Yeah. Um, and most of that is based off a legacy of what your parents did or didn't do right or what they had the ability to provide and like what they couldn't provide um but the truth is you know like if we assess our families at a particular time they did the best they could with what they had right sure and now we just have access to so much information about like how that really like influences you as an adult <laughs> Um, how it influences your relationships, your perspective on life, who you choose in a partner, mm -hmm. what you choose in a career, right? You what know, you choose to put up with for yourself. Oh, facts, facts. Yeah. That's 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 a really good point, man. Um, so, yeah, that whole experience of having something or someone be absent 
it just it you know it changes your it changes your like your whole psychology you know yeah for sure and people fill that void with good things people fill that void with bad things yeah yeah right? it's true that's true i was filling it with buckets that's how i was like i was just going <laughs> yeah you know i mean i was like whatever i gotta do to get out to get out of my situation that's exactly what i'm what i'm gonna do um and i was just i funneled that into like the arts and, and sports so so did, would you um say that you me. have really close relationships with some of your coaches through growing up in high school or yeah oh yeah 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 so i would say my first so i didn't start playing so my first love was football i loved football really yo i used to go to sleep with like this rams nerf ball <laughs> oh my goodness yo i used to lo- i used to love football so much man i used to think i was like i'm gonna grow up and play for the st louis rams this is when they had like terry Holt, uh kurt warner marshall falk Isaac and bruce Isaac right Poop, yeah. dirty man he was the truth yeah 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 and this is when madden was a thing so i used to play madden all the time yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so um i was playing a lot of football um and the guys in my neighborhood you know they would play they were playing basketball and everyone that I was hanging out with was like three or four years older than me. Right. Mm-hmm. And outside of like football, like I used to love to skateboard cause Tony Hawk, the pro skater three. Remember yeah. Tony? Yeah. The game? Yo, so I bought me a skateboard and I was, Oh my gosh, I used to love it, man. Trying to do kick flips, ollies and all that. And like, I was like the only black kid in my neighborhood with a skateboard. Right. So mm-hmm. it was just like a big dichotomy culturally. It's just far as like doing something that's just not, what traditionally folks in the neighborhood was doing um and i would try to play basketball like not get away no no you you just okay and i'm like whatever they're older than me so i'm just they're just they it's okay for them to like shun me away or whatever so then i like try to you know play with them here and there and they just they didn't used to quote pick me up or whatever i wasn't able to play with them so i was like you know what man let me get a basketball at least like try to at least compete and play with them, right? You know, because there's nothing worse than feeling, like, excluded when you're, like, a kid, right? Especially by, like, people who are older than you. Um, So, yeah, I just woke up early in the morning and just would play and shoot around, and I would, like, see drills and stuff and moves and, like, emulate that, and I just did that for, like, six months, man, like, religiously. Because, like, I couldn't sit with the fact that I wasn't good at something. And I'm still like that. If it's it's something I'm not good at, like, I'll I'll do whatever I got to do to, like, (laughs) learn it, right? Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, so I was working on it real hard, and six months later, I was busting their ass. You know what I mean? And I and I hit a growth spurt too. And the truth, I wasn't really that good. I mean, they in, in retrospect, they wasn't even that good either, right? They were just older than me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but to, I guess to circle all the way back around and to answer your question directly, it was my first coach, Doctor Mark Corbett, who was my middle school coach camera middle and he gave me a shot man and my whole life my whole trajectory as far as like showing me to like a whole new world and what basketball could potentially do I gotta I gotta give him credit um because even when I won like when I went to the final four I got a ring I was like I gotta give it to him because I know like this my whole life could have went a lot of different ways if I didn't use basketball um, but to answer your question again, yeah, I'm cool with my middle school coach, definitely my high school coach. Shout out Mike Zabo. <laughs> um, definitely coach Davenport, Hall of Fame coach. He's he's incredible. He actually wrote my recommendation letters for my doctoral program. So I still I'm still in touch with him. He's 
they they all family. Anybody who ever gave me a shot or knew me before I was whatever, mm-hmm. I, I I'm forever indebted to them for sure. And I asked that question because like you were asking, like, how did that affect me in high school? You mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, yeah, I, I have this composite father figure, yeah. right? Um, growing up, I'm sure that you kind of probably went through that same thing, you know? Um, and I don't know if what it do was, you mean? well, looking at, uh, if you didn't have a dad that was present in your life, yeah, then I'm, are you looking at these coaches now kind of in that, like, Hey, show me the way that you're an you know older what? guy. You it know was I mean? actually the opposite because I was like, yo, y'all not my daddy. You can't tell me what to do. I was just that, that type of kid. Yeah. And, where I, and where I come from, we do not deal with authority well. You know, the only person that I've ever like listened to and respected more than anything is like my mother. Um, and because I didn't have like a father figure in my life. I'm just I just wasn't used to a man telling me what to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I be, I would be lying if I say like the foundation of that relationship wasn't tumultuous. Like it it took it was I was like a, a hard headed kid, you know. I was like I was way way different. Anybody who knew me in middle school knew what like what kind of time I was on. <laughs> I was a way different kid. I, I mean I I love that guy and I and I'm still him. It's parts of me that I'm still him, but I never looked for like a father figure. I never I never felt like I needed that. I think only thing I've ever needed was like information just because I knew there was a world bigger than like the block I was living on, mm-hmm. you know? And I just, I seen so much, whether it be like violence and just drugs, gang shit, just a bunch of stuff. And I was like, yo, it gotta be more to this than, than this, what I'm seeing every day. And basketball was just always like a portal to a new world that I just never could tap into. You know, it was always like an escape from where I was, right? Mm -hmm. And my mother was working two jobs, so she wasn't even around like that, right? So she wasn't even able to be that authority figure. So I didn't handle coaching really well. I wasn't coachable at all, you know? I just wanted the experience. I wanted something to like not remind me of like you know that two-bedroom apartment that i've just been in my whole life and in that in that hood that just you know showed me so much love but it just wasn't you know what was conducive for who i was as a person and those gyms became your escape yeah yeah absolutely well i would say they were at, at first they were escape and then i was like yo i can really i can really do something this just because i got access to the information right one of the things that's really important is that like information changes your destination right so when i realize the type of lifestyle that i could live or i could go um, to school for free from playing basketball well like what how's that how is that even you mean this is all i gotta do and i can i can get out the hood let's i mean i'm i'm, I'm up every day i'm up at five what's up like this is what this is what i gotta do to to show my mama a different life to show my brother a different life and i'm just like oh i'm, I'm gonna do that right so um it was just I took it so serious. I took it so serious back then. Um, and I wouldn't say I loved it. I was just like kind of, kind of, as you know, I was kind of decent at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't great. I just, I just love like what it brought as far as joy to my family. It is always was like a vehicle for my family. Right. And I've always just used sports as like a vehicle to another place. Never the destination. Sports was never the destination. Right. Mm-hmm. Never wanted to play pro. Never wanted to coach. I mean, when I finished hooping, I had opportunities to play overseas. Also had an opportunity to 
um, coach, and I did. I coached at Bellarmine for a year. Um, and shout out to Coach D for giving me that opportunity because he didn't necessarily have to do that. But we've always had like a deep mutual respect for each other. Um, and I just knew that like sp- sports wasn't it because I was like, yo, you either like working your body or you working your brain. And by the time I finished, my body was just so beat up and I just didn't couldn't like wrap my head around the fact that I made a life and people knew me for like entertainment, right? For putting like a circle ball in a damn hoop. Like that is just if we like simplify <laughs> how much we glorify people who are like good at a sport, it's kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah. that that life was just really inconsistent with like my actual life at home. Like if I can think about any time I've ever had any type of success in basketball or or whatever, I just knew that the reality of like what I was going to was just <laughs> was not happy and, and pretty as everyone kind of made it out to to be, you know, on the outside. So and that's a long rant. No, yeah, no. But um, I think what you're touching on is just that you weren't feeling fulfilled in doing the thing that everybody looked at you like, Hey, you're really good at this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, you're so lucky, exactly. right? You're so good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause the question is who am I without that? Right. I'm gonna spend most of my life not doing this. Right. And I know that I had an expiration date. Um, and that's probably why I spent honestly, probably like most of my adult life, trying to run away from like sports and basketball you know because even when i'm like back home you know people know me for basketball and sports right Right. or you know whether it be like me you know from being like the all-time leading scorer at trinity to going to a final four to you know being run out from mr basketball or working for the mayor like all those things are great but i just knew that like on the other side there was more like if i could do that if I can, you know what I mean? Then I'm like, it's, there's more out there, which kind of fueled my exile to New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At what point do you think it started to feel like more of a job for you? Oh, college. Oh, my goodness. College. Nas has this one verse when he was like, reminiscent when it wasn't all business. But when you play Division One sports, that's a job. Mm-hmm. Like the traveling, the lifting. Then on top of that, academia, which is a distant second. Like, that's not your main priority. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, man, and it was just, it was a lot on my body uh, and especially my mental health because the pressure was on, right? It was especially being like a freshman and being like a McDonald's All-American nominee and like all this expectation and hype, right? Right. And I'm like, I'm about to come in and like do put in work right? ball yeah 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 and then i got hurt and then that just really impacted my mental health yeah i was gonna ask did you when you said that your body was beat up how many surgeries or did you did you ever do an acl or like shoulders or what was your medical report i guess throughout your college career uh, yeah no good, good question so i think my the inception of me getting injured actually started in high school i had broke my thumb my senior year and i had broke it in december and I didn't know it was broke. So I played like the rest of the year on a broken thumb. And then I had to get surgery prior to going to college uh, as a freshman. And there was a lot of like expectations around, you know, me doing anything like in college. Right. Sure. And yeah. And my first two months of college, like I had not only like just gotten out of, of, of a spleen, but I had messed up my back. I had pulled uh muscle my back and like my l4 l5 my disc was 
out and I couldn't like tie my shoe and I couldn't practice. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing that ever gave me like my escape, I just, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and then ever since then, that's what probably prompted me to be like, all right, I actually have to think about like what my life looks like when this stops. Cause I know it can stop in a decade if I wanted to, or if it can stop out of college. So then I just end up positioning myself to be like, all right, when I finish, let me at least get a good education, right? So I went to a school that, you know, gave me um, an incredible education and access to information that I needed. So by the time I finished, like, playing basketball, I had my master's, right? So by the time I'm finishing, it's like, okay, you can either go overseas and make whatever you're going to make, or, you know, you can actually work, stay here with your family, and provide like you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I got the call of my life, man. I got the call like to work for the mayor. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's on. Like we we about to we 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 about to do this, right? Yeah. Um so then that just kinda made me like hard shift pivot to like kinda stay away from basketball. What were those days like when you started to first realize this detachment from this thing that you had been doing and that was so wrapped up in your identity up until that point? Yeah. And then you're not able to go and practice and you're like, fuck, I'm not the basketball guy right now. Like, I'm not connecting yeah. on that level with myself anymore. What were those days like? Uh, I wouldn't say I had an identity crisis, but I think what messed me up so much was like outside of basketball and what that was or wasn't giving me my personal life back home is so messed up, right? Because I had ended up losing like a couple friends that I had grown up with. Um, my mother like had surgery. Um, my brother was, he, um, he was in some trouble too. And I'm just like, man, I'm not even, I'm not even there. Like there's nothing that I can do. And I am away, but I'm, I'm away for what? Doing what? Definitely not playing basketball because <laughs> my body won't let me. Um, so like, what am I even doing here, right? So then I just like had to, completely reshift my priorities and think about what was important and i was just like the most important thing my most important resource is myself you know because that's really the only thing i that's all we really have at the end of the day right um but well uh, and at that point you're you're there doing the thing that you believe to be the thing that's going to change your circumstances for you and your family right so then when you're not able to do that and then life is happening and unfolding you're like Dude, now I, I can't even do the thing that I'm here to do right now. That yeah. must have been really, really tough. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot, man. I remember like going back to my dorm after like watching a practice or something or just getting a text and call from stuff back home and just like going into like the shower and just crying. Like I was just bawling because I was just really going through it. And anyone who knows me, like I don't cry. I don't even think anyone, like probably one person in my entire life probably seen me like actually cry. But I just like went to the shower and just would cry, man. And then I just, that's when I really had like a metamorphosis like after like my, probably my freshman year of, of college about like what's really important and what the rest of my life is gonna look like, yeah. What helped you through that time? What helped you get to that point where you were sitting down asking yourself and having those very honest and real conversations with yourself where you're like, what's it going to look like when this all ends? Yeah, so I think when you think about anyone's like spiritual journey, there's always something like traumatic that kind of happens, right? And that was one of like 10 things just at that time that kind of led me to like spirituality, mental health, right? Um, But as far as like what helped me specifically... I would say my mother because she was waking up working two jobs and she's a maid, right? 
So thinking about like the cadence of her day and how she has to wake up and how I didn't see her growing up that much because she had to come home and from doing a night shift at night, thinking about like her day to day, her actual reality. And I'm just like, I'm over here crying because I can't even hoop. But like I get to travel. I get to see the world. I'm getting a good education. I got cool friends. And, you know, the social scene is Incredible as a division one athlete. So <laughs> you're Mr. Uh, Basketball. Yeah, that, was, that was good. I was the like, good hey. part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was good. I was <laughs> I was really fortunate um to have a vibrant social life in college. So yeah. But to answer your question, my mother, you know what I mean? I guess she sacrificed everything for me to live the life that I did, you know, and even though my father wasn't present, like just imagine what it's like, you know, being like a small kid growing up in a vi- village and coming to the United States, right? Like those are testaments to things that I should always keep in the back of my pocket when I'm having a bad, like when I'm having like any type of crisis, right? Because they already paid the sacrifice. The only thing I have to do is show up and do, and do, do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say my, my mother, man, she's, she's my rock for sure. Parents make so many sacrifices that we take for granted as kids, but yeah. then we get older and we realize how hard it is to actually live day to day. And we're yeah. like, man, how the hell did they do it and make it look so easy? Yeah, 100%, man. Parenting is a divine gift. It's such a privilege, right? Um, and when I think about our experiences, I always think about how this is going to influence you and I when we become fathers, right? You know? Um, <laughs> that, that one's it? you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, t- well, what, what do you think about that? Tell me tell me what you think about uh, that. Just, I would honestly, love somebody else's kid. Yeah. Uh, I think that. If I get to the point where I'm really, really feeling it, I would mm-hmm. I would rather adopt. Yeah. I've always had, again, this is going to sound cringe if this is so stupid. No, but it's not stupid, man. Speak your truth. I, I have always said that I wanted to adopt a black son yeah. and name him Terrell. Yeah. And have a little T Tomp. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. Know, he'd be he'd be my guy. I hear you. Tell me, tell me the the first time you ever had that thought and like where that comes from. Cause as a as a person who's black, we'd be like, why, why white folks want to adopt black kids for like, we'd be like, what's, what's up with that? So like, bring okay, me yeah, in, like, it's walk, not, walk me that train of, train of thought. This please. is, it's not even like the savior thing, right? Absolutely. You see like white ladies go to Africa to adopt the, mm-hmm. the kid. Yeah. Uh, mine's more of just, I don't want kids of my own. I yeah. think, I think, you know, so much is passed down from our parents to our kids. Absolutely. I've got way too many things that I don't want to pass along to a kid. Yeah. And I grew up with cousins who were Korean, but they were adopted. True. And so I think adoption sometimes is like kind of a taboo thing, or, or it certainly used to be. Yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. But growing up with cousins who were adopted, it really normalized Absolutely. adoption for me from a young age. Yeah, yeah. And when I was playing sports, that's when it really started, when I was playing football. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would look around, and I'd be like, man, I want my kid to be a baller, but yeah. I don't really know <laughs> if I actually want a kid of my own. Yeah. So if I can save the world from the pollution that would be my sperm reincarnation, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but save somebody else in the meantime then yeah. i would be down to do that and nice. if i'm if i'm going to pick if I, if it, you're giving me the option i'm gonna pick what i just feel comfortable with yeah yeah okay so it sounds like exposure you, you saw that as you know when you're when you're younger right and also just the proximity through sports and then it sounds like ultimately just impact you want to really make an impact yeah yeah i mean that's why i do big brothers big sisters mm-hmm. right is that i want to be for that kid what I never had growing up. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, look, 
doesn't have to be a little black boy, yeah. right? But I think if I get to that point where I'm really feeling like, you know, I'm 45 years old, I'm 50 years old, I think I'm ready to, to mm-hmm. do this. But in terms of, uh, and here's the, now you want some real talk. This is some real talk. That's what that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> what are we doing? Come on. I never want to have the accountability of my own child because if I one day cut out mm-hmm. and commit suicide, yeah. I don't want to leave behind some kid that's picking up those pieces yeah. and fucking that kid up for yeah. him, the rest of his life. Yeah. And I don't want any kind of, uh, yeah, I don't want any kind of a lingering thing to tie me down. Yeah. You know, if I want to go and move across the country one day and just do it, I want to be able to have that freedom. Yeah. But really, um, up until this point, and my perspective on that's changing, mm-hmm. right? I'm starting to envision what life will be like in my 40s and 50s and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and you know, God willing, 60s and 70s. But that wasn't something that I really thought about a lot. Mm-hmm. And the thought of just being able to cut out whenever I want, well, that's fine. That's a very selfish thing to do. Yeah. And I can't do that, or, or at least it's much harder to do when you have kids that you're then not going to be providing for and you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where I, my my real thing comes from that. And same thing with like, you know, with marriage. Yeah. My perspective on that's changing again, but yeah, I'll do dogs. I don't want kids. Kids are forever, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Okay. And how much do you think that the mental health aspect in terms of like, the legacy that we leave in terms of genetics is influencing the way you actually think about parenting or just their responsibility of it. Oh yeah. I don't want to fuck my kid up. Yeah. Well, do you think all of us, well, first off you can never F up a kid, right? Kids, <laughs> kids are reflections of God. We also are too. Um, but, kids are reflections of us, I think. And I also think that God is within all of us too, you know, even the Bible says that we were made in his image and we don't have to like talk about the Bible or, I mean, if you're looking at other doctrines, I think that it all speaks to like this divinity that is so innate into us that I don't think we like tap into, you know? And I think that the moment that we stop judging, we can actually see, you know, the God in people, right? We can actually see like the, those, sure. those beautiful aspects folks but no I appreciate you sharing that though that's that's an interesting perspective um because I thought that initially you're going to be like yeah and that's going to influence like how I think about parenting or my love for parenting right um but it does it does different things for different people right um because I think that like in the event that my old man was around I, you know what I'd probably be on the same time I'd be like you know I ain't bring a, my mama says I ain't bring I wouldn't bring a cat into this world based off how I mess up as well. <laughs> I'm like yo you Alan uh, but no but all that to say that like the most rewarding thing I will ever do in life is be a father like I think parenting is such a divine responsibility it's so sacred it's so cherished it's just so like you know and I wouldn't say we're all like inherently flawed by any means, but I think every parent has that fear of not passing on trauma, mental health, right? Right. Um, because the truth is, we're still going to experience that in some way, whether it be in a relationship, friendships, work. You're still going to be exposed to that, though. Right. But the fact right. that you get to be like the creative director of your life—that's just that's hard. That's yeah. dope. That's nice. But and I, I think it's funny what you said is um, you're like, oh, I'm thinking about it 
in the opposite way. Yeah. Right. And a little bit ago when we were talking about like, you know, basically how we looked at older guys in our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Right. I looked at it a certain way and you looked at a different way. Yeah. Right. And so there's like these things that play that are just interesting. I think, Facts. you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think most of it has to do with like exposure. I think like anytime we're exposed to something, I mean, you can be exposed to the exact same thing, right? But the way that we internalize that and process and make meaning of it is fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meaning and process shapes our entire life. And that's why I knew that I had to get out of Louisville, right? Because there is like a particular context here where people can be really cemented in their in their own ideas and have this like strong attachment to their identity. Um, and I wanted to break away from all of that. Like when I left here, I was probably like on top of the world as far as like every measure of like things I wanted. Like I had like I was in a doctor program. I was the youngest person there. I was working with the mayor. You know, I was doing community work. I was like I was I had I had had the condo downtown. I had the late I had everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, there's there's more to life than this. Right. And. I got to figure out what that is, even if it means that I have to let go of everything that I know and love. Um, so that's why I've been a bit of a recluse these days, just reflecting on those decisions and and in my life. So that's why I'm really glad that you brought me onto the podcast, because I don't think I've ever been able to like articulate or reflect about that out, out loud. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at all. And it's wild that this is like going to be like on a public forum but whatever <laughs> i can't even God. believe that i admitted that thing about terrell like i've never shared it's that like, hey bro 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 listen i bro. hope that people are just like who the f- god damn it like bruh what's the name of your podcast real talk that's it that way <laughs> that's it that's what we're doing i have always envisioned me and t-tom dude like, yeah that yeah. is like that is literally literally goals yeah my know? thing is like you know you'll look back on this in the archives and be like i manifested this right um i've also heard like other like white men also say that like i want to adopt i want to be black or whatever um because the truth is is in complete disregard to race but we'll never disregard race but just from looking at the foster care system and looking at our world a lot of people need parents (laughs) and uh and need like a community or a house that's just full of love like we need that so much i mean because our household is our first classroom and our teachers is our parents and you know, like they're our first teachers you know mm-hmm. and when you think about how most of us come from broken families broken homes right think about what kind of lives that we're going to live you know as as adults and i just think that like that's why i said parenting is such like a sacred thing and the fact that you want to you know at least take all the lessons that you've learned and pour that into another human being so they can grow up and be somewhat, you know, I wouldn't say resilient and better navigate mm-hmm. the world. That's that's a blessing, man. I'll be honest with you. I think I make a great parent. Yeah. I think I definitely have my flaws and probably butt yeah, heads yeah. with the kid. Yeah. But I think that going through what I went through, uh-huh. I would never want my kid to experience those things. Mm-hmm. And I look at, uh, you know, it's like Colin Coward always says that parents can be a great warning yeah. or a great example 
right? And so I think we learn a lot from from those teachers, like in your example, right? Yeah. We're learning from these teachers, and we've both probably had teachers that were great, yeah. And we both had teachers that probably were never meant to be teachers and ever, Facts. right? Yeah. And so I think there's a lot, and that's why you know doing the big brothers big sisters thing. It's like the kid that I'm working with, he comes from a broken home. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad, he's. He just turned 10 years old. His yeah. dad is already living on, you know, kind of with a different family and not really seeing them at all. And he's going through that neglect right now. And I'm able to kind of help guide and navigate him and, and will be able to and, yeah. and be accessible to him because it's like, this is stuff that I lived. Right. And I'm so lucky that I got matched with a kid that's in that situation. Because like I said, if I was matched with some kid that was in the program that that had a dad that was around or yeah. had a mom that was around and yeah. like his mom is around but what i'm saying is if he had the you know quote unquote normal lifestyle yeah. how do how can i really relate to that like to be honest like when i see other people's dads being all lovey-dovey with their yeah. kid and like when i saw that growing up like that kind of made me uncomfortable yeah cuz i'd be like i just uh, you know that's that's awesome yeah. right but i just didn't have that yeah, um, that makes sense. That makes and, sense. And it just, so. Yeah. I mean, also, I think we also have a misconception about two things. One, that like, if a parent is absent, that the home is broken. I don't necessarily agree with that, especially since I'm a product of like a, a mother who's a superwoman. And I think I turned out halfway decent. Um, You're okay. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the second one, like, it's about, like, meeting kids' needs. Because some kids, all kids don't need that. Like, I never really, you know, even as an adult, I love my parents. But I don't think I ever, like, needed them. You know, as, we- as weird as that sounds. Do you think and that's me- because you had an older brother? Did you go to him with a lot of that stuff? No, no, no. Uh, because, like, he, you know, he was a, a dad at 18, you know. So, I think, um, I think... I have probably like an odd relationship with how much stock we put in our parents as far as them being responsible for our lives and our identity is very, very warped because even when I was like a kid, like I was always with my babysitter because my mother had to work. Right. Mm -hmm. Even in high school, my mother would work two jobs. So when I seen her, you know, it was like when I'm leaving to, you know, go to school she's coming in right my dad never around right and then by the time i'm like something to make in a life for myself i'm traveling every week so all of my love and and support has always been from afar right and i've never really like i'm just never really needed a lot and maybe that's something that navigational capital came from my needs being met you know i'm doing something where um supported loved celebrated um, I, I'm my my needs was been taken care of. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's until like I'm much older and I'm just like, damn, like there's a lot of things that like wasn't there. Um, but the truth is, I didn't necessarily need that. It's almost like because like like this, when you grow up without a dad, you don't realize that shit is bad until like much older. Yeah, <laughs> you like because it didn't hit me till I actually went to Trinity, man. Like first off, I didn't want to go to Trinity at all. My mother forced me to. I did. I. Oh my gosh, I was <laughs> diametrically opposed to going there. 
Where would you have gone if you would? Oh, Ballard, Ballard Bruins. Yeah, okay. yeah. And we won won state twenty ten. Everyone, every yeah, for sure. <laughs> Vontae would have been on that team. Too, yeah, right? oh yeah, yeah. Oh, shout shout out to Devontae Parker. Yeah, and <laughs> Keeson Jones, Isaiah Baker, Daniel Corbett, Ian Tyrell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta shout out to to the family. But like senior year, there's like this like father son dinner or something like that, mm-hmm. and then like. I'm like begrudgingly going to that. I'm just like, I'm gonna bring my mama. Like this is this is a no brainer, but clearly she had to work, right? So I gotta go to this thing by myself and I'm just like, damn, this is crazy. Like it's not and it wasn't a moment where I felt like I wanted my dad or needed my dad, but I was just like, yo, I'm like 17, 18 years old. I'm like the biggest thing in high school sports right now. And this person's missing out on that, right? Mm-hmm. And only thing I've ever wanted to, I've only done this just to share it with like them, you know, to share it with my mother, to share it with my my old man, to share it with my brother, to share it with my nieces and nephews. And I just never been able to to share that. So that's probably why I take so much pride in wanting to be a father, because I'm just like, I've architected this life and I just want to share that. Like, I just, I definitely want to share that and actually, you know, be, you know, the person that I probably wanted when i was a kid you know yeah yeah that's a really beautiful thing it's a beautifully haunting thing because that feeling of standing there alone yeah is probably what has propelled you to reach this program at nyu yeah be in new york and be cool living by yourself yeah yeah and doing it on your own and it's probably going to take you to some really great ascensions in your career because you normalized feeling like if I don't do this shit for myself, it's not going to happen for exactly. me. And that is something that can really be difficult to come to terms with as you get older and you start to go through some of this introspection and yeah, yeah, you start yeah. to peel back the layers and some therapy and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but absolutely. like, but that, that feeling of I'm not good enough, yeah. that's something that's driven me to some of the greatest points and achievements in my life. Yeah. And, and I think that that's probably that path that you're on as well, yeah, where yeah. you're like, man... I didn't have all of these things, but that also is what has launched me into the yeah. person that I am now. Yeah. So I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. And what was the moment that you felt like you wasn't good enough? I think that's really important to talk about too. Cause I, I, I yeah, I'm just, I've always been curious in that. Man. <laughs> well, it would always <laughs> happen uh, every holidays, every, mm-hmm. every Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I had moments during school as a kid where I would, you know, I have ADHD and and now I'm diagnosed bipolar Mm -hmm. and uh, I would get into, you know, some mischief and talk back to people in in the classroom. And so I was always kind of like teetering on, you know, some trouble behavioral stuff, right? Yeah. So um, growing up and having that was kind of like, Oh man, I got to go to Saturday school. I'm in detention again. Yeah, you know, Saturday school. Oh man, jug. Yo, what school did you go to? <laughs> Trinity, my freshman year. Oh damn, man, I don't even want to talk about how many times I was in jug. detention or Saturday <laughs> school. Yo, I was a different kid back then. But yeah. uh, so for anybody that's uh, listening that's not familiar with uh, the way that Catholic schools get down, or maybe it's just a Trinity thing, I don't know. Yeah. But jug was justice under God. Oh, that- Dang, that's what it's still for? That's what it's still for. They try to guilt you, but that's wild. Yeah, yeah. We had to go in there and just, they would put like a little, like a Bible verse or something and just write it over and over oh, and man. over again. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is true. Even in, so I went to a public school most of my life until high school, and we used to have Saturday school. We had something called ISAP, which is like in-school suspension or something yep. like that. Yeah. I used to live in there. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned like ADHD uh, and being bipolar because I don't think we have a system in place that's conducive for children who may like show signs and symptoms of that, right? I think that like we can have not only, I want to say better resources, that's just so vague. We can create a system where teachers are equipped to handle that, right? Because right. then we grow up thinking something's wrong with us. Yeah, you get pulled out of class. Yeah, like, I mean, I spent most of my, my middle school in, in, in elementary school, like being kicked out of class. It wasn't until Trinity that things changed because it was like, you know, it was a new and completely different environment. It was a culture shock. Yeah. And it was like a level of discipline that like I had to do just to even just be there every day, you know, from like catching a bus for an hour, right? Um, doing, staying after school to do homework on a computer because I didn't have a computer type type of stuff, right? Just like those things like instilled this discipline. Like if I don't do, I need this for my survival, <laughs> right? So if this doesn't happen, then like I will fail inevitably. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to like learn a little bit more about the time where you like, kind of felt that that self-doubt just because like it always starts like as a kid and I don't think we really address that until we're much older yeah so let me let me wrap a ribbon on this is that growing up I experienced those things right but it really wasn't until I got to be in middle school seventh eighth grade my parents start to like their their relationships really hitting the rocks Mm mm-hmm dad's gone they're doing a separation thing Mm -hmm. isn't living in a different space but once they actually get divorced um that's when a lot of my family got taken away from me uh and we were essentially blackballed from our family you know it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a big deal to stay with my mom. You know, she had primary custody. Yeah. So we were staying with her. They wanted to, the courts were like, hey, we want to keep the kids in the home that they at least grew up in. Yeah. Um, so that we don't want to take them out of their schools. We yeah. want to create normalcy as much as we can now. And so my dad's side of the family kind of looked at that, looked at me defending my mom mm-hmm. and... um they saw that as like choosing sides against the family. I'm talking yeah. like legitimate godfather shit. Yeah, yeah. Like my my dad's side of the family is run by my grandma. My mm-hmm. grandpa died a long time ago. Rest in power. And yeah. she is a Sicilian woman. Like her her parents came over from Sicily. Her mm-hmm. dad's name is Caesar Tamagni, the oh, most wow. Italian wow, name wow. ever. Shout out to immigrant grandparents. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah. Thank you for, for coming here, okay, yeah. and making this all possible. Um, but this was like the person that was ruling these five sons, all of my uncles. Uncle Stephen, rest in power, yeah. right? All my cousins, Peter, all them, like those are I'm talking about, those are some of my favorite cousins, man. Yeah. My godfather and my godmother, huge deal in an Italian Catholic family. Yeah. That's Peter's parents, Chris and Lisa. Wow. All of that stopped existing and being accessible to me and my brother and my sister at a certain point during the divorce. Yeah, that's traumatic, man. And then ever and and they were like you know i've talked about this before they would be um so growing up with two sides of the family 
we would go and spend Christmas and stuff like Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. We always had to be there. Mm-hmm. That was the Christmas dinner spot. We would go yeah. to our other grandparents in you know in the morning, do gifts with them. Yeah, everything we did revolved around my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Once Christmases and Thanksgivings and birthdays started going by, mm-hmm. where I didn't have that anymore, I would reach out to my cousins, some of them, yeah. my uncles, let them know, hey, I'm, you know, it sucks that things are the way they are right now. Sucks that my dad and I really aren't on good terms, but all I want is to know that, you know, you still care about me, that we can yeah. have a relationship and, you know, that that your door is open to me and basically every single one of them in their own way, some of them nicer about it, some of them assholes about it, yeah. just said, we can't have a relationship until you have a relationship with your dad. Mm-hmm. So I would go through this traumatic process every single year, going to text them, sending out a long heartfelt message, and yeah. then having it met with basically, I don't give a shit about you until this thing happens. Yeah. Right. Weaponizing love. Yeah. That's where those feelings of, oh, I'm not good enough come yeah. from because it's like, why does this thing need to happen? for us to continue this loving relationship that we've had for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, however long. It's like, why does that affect what we have together? Why am I now not good enough for your love and Mm -hmm. your acceptance or praise? So, Thank you for sharing that, for real, man. (laughs) Like, it's such a moving story because A, so many people can like actually relate and connect to that, right? And it also speaks to, like, how much we internalize, like, when we're young, right? And how that can, like, warp our sense of, like, love oh. <laughs> and belonging, right? What you start and to fill that void with. Exa- Preach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's some real talk, right? About after you've internalized, like, the weaponization of love and the, the feeling of, like, not being worthy or being belong, like... The decisions that you make after that are just so crucial to like how you see your whole life and how you live your whole life, right? Because you're creating a foundation for, you know, the, the who you're gonna be, how you're gonna respond to things, the, the behavior uh, that you bring into a relationship, how you treat yourself, what self-love looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh man! But all that to say that, you know, you've you've definitely conquered your story. And took your mess and made it your message. Ooh, yeah, I like that. You can have it, bro. It's yours. <laughs> you can have it, my guy. Say it again for yeah, me. Yeah, make your mess into your message. Yeah, use that I mean, because you gotta realize, like, we go through all of these things just so we can come out on the other side to really impact other people. Man, this life isn't about us. Right. That's why I always say, like, I really love that what you're doing with this podcast, man, because, you know, somewhere out there, whether it's in Louisville or like rural Wyoming or like, you know, Harlem, where I stay or somewhere in Florida, like there's somebody listening. I'm like, damn, like I can really I really felt that I feel seen. A lot of people don't feel seen, man, and feel heard and don't feel reflected and stuff. Right. Um, So the fact that you took your mess made it your message you know to made it into real talk i guess <laughs> yeah um that's like a divine gift man you you funnel that into something that's creative and something that i'd be here for ever <laughs> you know and something that 
you take pride in and be able to show, you know, your child that you adopt one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to the league, baby. Hey, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Make sure they get that education, man. Fuck the league. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, man. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know how much you would relate or identify with um, alcohol use or, or drug use and like yeah, yeah, yeah. other parts that, you know, gives, because I guess when you start to fill that void yeah. and you start to fill those feelings, you know, there's there's healthy ways to do it. There's unhealthy ways to do it. That can take people down a lot of different paths. 100 percent. And um, I would say so in terms of drugs, I never did drugs. I never smoked weed. I don't I've never had coffee. Like I've never like done any I've never done any drugs. Um, and as far as like drinking, I didn't drink until I was in college. And the reason why I never did drugs or drink until college, just because, um, alcoholism in the family, also just always being around drugs, selling drugs and all that. Like, that's just, I seen what it actually does to families, like in a real way. Mm -hmm. Right. Like in what it actually does to communities and fact, like, I I've, visceral memories of like seeing things that I don't even feel comfortable sharing like you know on on a podcast and it made me stay away from it but with that being said my freshman year of college is when I first started drinking and I was drinking a lot to fill a void oh my goodness man like I was going through a bad breakup at the time my mother wasn't doing good I couldn't play basketball my friend had just got shot and killed another friend committed suicide and I'm just like, like, how do I make sense of all this? And what and what is my role and responsibility in all this? Mm-hmm. So I was just drinking to fill that void, man. And then I probably done that for at least a year and a half. Yeah, at least a year and a half for sure, man. I'm talking about like, um, I think earlier me and you was talking about um, like a Drake album. What what Drake album came out in thank like twenty? Thank me later. Was it Thank Me Later? What what what, what year? What year? Uh, man, I I want to say like 2010, 2011. That was Thank Me Later. Was it Thank Me Later? Yeah. What about 2011? 20, did he drop an album in 2011? Take Care didn't drop till like, sophomore year. Sophomore yeah, year. like 2012 Yeah, yeah. So this was pre-Take Care. <laughs> okay. Yeah, wow. Well, wait, wait. I think fall 11, somewhere in there, Take Care came out. Yeah, thank, thank Me Later was like ex- 2010. Exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. So like that whole time period, man, I was I was drinking a lot, man. I was, I was drinking way more than... Yeah, than I could ever even imagine. And listening to Marvin's room. Oh, I was de- that was my that was my location. That was my home. Marvin's room. Yeah, yeah. But no, after that, man, I after that experience, man, I was a completely different person in like the best possible way, man. Um, it really caused me to do like this internal investigation, like who am I, right? And how am I going to respond to these things, right? Because the truth is, like where I come from, like stuff like that happens every. <laughs> every three months you know um but how do you build like this emotional i want to say resiliency this emotional toolbox to better navigate it right like mm-hmm. when i'm stressed now i just go for a run you know i'm <laughs> just that's why i'm that's why i'm looking skinny now <laughs> i was i was big body earlier but in like you know earlier during the year but i've been a little stressed so i had to you know funnel that in, into the gym well, and we were talking about our relationship with food too. So that's what I wanted to ask. Do you did you start to fill that void at all with binge eating or or any kind of a you know, cuz there's other things that you can get addicted to, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think part of my 
spiritual journey started with food, right? Because earlier I was telling you, like, your food equals your mood, right? And food is a drug. We never talk about it being a drug. Hence why it's under the umbrella of the Food and Drug Administration, right? Life-changing thing that you said. <laughs> I never thought to put it together, but, yeah, like, holy shit. Absolutely, yeah. man. Every single thing we eat is politicized, right? You know, I grew up in a food desert, so my access to food and resources and information about how that actually influences the way you think, your prefrontal cortex, your psychology, your being, how you vibrate, how you show up, right? There's an old African proverb that says, those who eat well speak well. Right. Mm. Um, so that was uh, avenue to like a whole new world. I was just like, yo, if I actually want to start feeling better, I can't self-soothe. Right. Um, by food, because food is so accessible. Right. Anything that's fast is awful for you. Right. So just eliminating right. fast food. Anything's fast. Like. Right. Yeah. Like opportunities. Uh, food, women, women. yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, you gotta uh, same vibes, yeah, man. yeah, man. You know, Kanye, Kanye told us to drive slow, you know what I mean? So yeah. we gotta, we gotta do that. We gotta live that, man. So if it's fast, you know, there's a trick to it. Um, but yeah, food. I have a better relationship with food for sure. I fast on Mondays. I do it for spiritual purpose, just to kind of connect to like my most authentic self i know that i speak from the heart and my chakras are more aligned when i'm not like putting poison in my body mm -hmm. you know eating high very high vibrating foods that like contribute to my energy makes me feel energetic not drained eating and i'm not want to go to sleep after or whatever you know right. because when we eat and we're like want to go to sleep that's your body literally like bro what are you doing <laughs> how am I supposed to process this what are we about to do right you yeah. know that's your body having like a physiological response and I think one of the first parts about just spirituality and food is just understanding how your body responds to that being really in tune with your body mm -hmm. right and the better in tune you are with your body the more in tune you are with your emotions right because those things are intimately inter intertwined so what time do you stop eating on Sunday night on Sundays so because I fast on Monday Yo, I be bashing on Sundays. <laughs> I be bashing on Sundays. But I stop eating at 9. I stop eating at 9 o'clock. Okay. That's your cutoff time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, stop, I stop eating at 9 o'clock. And then nothing, because you said you don't even drink coffee. So nothing except water on Monday? Water long? and then maybe tea if I have a long day, if I have like a bunch of work to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty disciplined about it. About it. Um, there's a Jay Electronica verse um, that I was listening to. And he was like, trying to reconnect my force. I kept fasting. Yeah, so and this, I just really think about that, like because we don't necessarily see ourselves as like these divine beings, and everything that goes into you actually is reflected out outwardly, right? Mm -hmm. So, because if you can't control like what necessarily goes into your mouth, then how can you control like what comes out of it? <laughs> mm. You know. Mm. Um. So just just being really disciplined, man, and just having like a different relationship with like all these things society tells us to care about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I know that was a lot. <laughs> That's what I want. You yeah, know? That's yeah. yeah. But tell me a little bit more about you self-soothing with food. Because first off, hey, you look good, man. For real. For real. Working out. You, you, I feel like you, I, I know you've been, you've been in the gym a little bit. I see you. Yeah. I definitely see you, man. Yeah. I'm trying to lose weight. I feel like people are always on this sliding scale of trying to gain weight and bulk up. So they're yeah. trying to work up. And then there's me on the other end of it that's always been trying to slim down yeah. and stay slimmer or, yeah. or just leaner yeah right 
I don't want to be, you know, some guys, they walk into the gym, they want to be the biggest dude in there. They, yeah. they want to be King Meathead. Facts. I'm like, dude, I'd rather just look athletic yeah. and feel good. You know, Absolutely. I just, I just want to feel good. So, but I think that a lot of uh, emotional eating, you know, what you said about food being a drug, Yeah. right? Eating certain foods, just the process of eating in general mm-hmm. releases dopamine in your brain. Facts. Right, which is something that's also released when you do drugs mm-hmm. or drink alcohol or, or different things like that. So, you are creating this physiological response by eating certain foods. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the foods that taste the best are the ones that are the worst for you. Absolutely, which is so sad. That's yeah, so, but so if you can learn to love the taste of whole foods and really good foods, then that's amazing because that's going to be a lot better for you in the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that a lot of what I uh, have internalized when it's not, you know, like now I, I've got a pretty, I have a pretty consistent and controlling relationship with my alcohol intake true at certain times you know i'm a binge drinker by definition yeah there's been times where i just go overboard absolutely right when's the last time you drank this last weekend how frequently do you drink infrequently now yeah yeah. i mean i'm talking less than once a month usually yeah did it spike during covid i know like there's been like a significant Mm -hmm. increase and no because i stopped i stopped like going out to bars and seeing people like that i wasn't i wasn't drinking like that yeah mine's more of um event related yeah people coming in for thanksgiving Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff yeah like social social drinking yeah i'm not because the thing is i can't just like i'm never a let me just have a beer with dinner yeah. Or get home from the end of the day and have a glass of wine or a yeah. vodka or whatever. Like that's not the way that I drink. If I'm good, because just drinking sucks. Honestly, <laughs> like it's not like Bro, yeah. who likes the taste of beer? Preach, man. Like, like for real, for real. Okay, so I don't want to sit there and just have one to enjoy it. If I'm gonna drink, I want to drink to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Okay, but obviously that's not conducive to a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Now, what I choose to fill my body with. Mm-hmm is not also healthy but it's like okay i'm gonna choose to eat this food instead Mm -hmm. and what i'm doing is stuffing down my feelings yeah i'm eating my feelings absolutely you know like uh oh what movie is it in i think in austin powers fat bastard says i eat because i'm unhappy and i'm unhappy because i eat Yo, that's a great quote. I, f- I haven't seen the movie in a while. I thought, Fat Bastard, why are you over here spitting facts, oh, bro? Yeah. Fat Bastard, the philosopher, man. <laughs> yeah, he's the philosopher, man. But I was just like, oh, my God. So, that, yeah, I've I've struggled with that. And when I, uh, you know, am feeling, you know, when my brain being bipolar, when I'm when my brain is already dealing with a lack of serotonin, yeah, then... The only thing that I know to maybe jumpstart that system is to eat something that brings me happiness. Yeah. But that happiness is temporary. Yeah. Because then it's this really toxic cycle of I'm unhappy. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go eat something that I think will make me happy, that it tastes good, but yeah, then yeah, yeah. I gorge myself on it, come back, and then I'm laying back on the couch and I'm just like, the guilt sets in and the yeah. shame and you're just like, why did I just do that to myself? Why yeah. Why did I have this breakdown last week where I said no more, but here yeah. I am in Walgreens spending $15 yeah. in the candy aisle. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I mean, I, I do have to acknowledge the fact that like, we have to realize like, that's okay. We should normalize that. We There's a lot of guilt around eating, right? And when you 
do consume a lot of food and you feel good about it sure we can we can contextualize that from a psych- psychology perspective and say like you're you're overeating because you're depressed or whatever right and you said like you do it for happiness but when we really think about happiness at its core it's temporary no one lives in a state of like blissful happiness right 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 so i think one thing that we have to like take it a step further just like is like having this state of peace when it comes to our relationship with food, right? I'm doing this because it makes me feel good, right? Right. And knowing that, okay, if I eat this, I will feel bad, right? I mean, right. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think that like the moment where you go into food because things aren't going right, hmm, that's that's so that's why because I, I used to do that. Oh my god, I used I used to definitely do that. But I was like, you know, if I feel bad, let me just not eat because I know I, I can really go in. <laughs> right. um, and I have my, I definitely have moments where I, where I stress eat, right? Um, but it's important to have people around you to be like, yo, you you stress right now and you you eating like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really important to have accountability partners like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Um, and yeah, you can, uh, It. I mean, it ultimately comes back to self-control and the discipline. Yeah. Because um, you can really set goals for yourself mm-hmm. that look really good on your piece of paper yeah. or in your iPhone, mm-hmm. but then you start to get uh, through the days, and then you find yourself like, mm-hmm. okay, now I, I really want to break down and go do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm just grateful that we're finally in a place where we have like the psychological flexibility to be like, you know what, this is unhealthy, right? Because some people like spend their whole lives and never really consider the relationship that they have with food as, as a bad thing. Right. You know, but yeah, shout out to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess wrapping this all up, yeah. um, we've talked about a lot of good stuff in this episode. It's um, been incredible, man. I appreciate it. bro. Yeah. It's been great. Um, is there, uh, you know, I guess this is usually about the part where we kind of open it up to big picture things. If there's anything that we have gone over that you'd like to circle back to, or if there's anything else that you want to bring up and bring mm-hmm. visibility to, more than welcome to do that. Um, but if not, then we can just kind of end things with give me some of your most truest things mm-hmm. that you learned about life and about people yeah. and... Um, yeah, that's a trillion dollar question, man. And we've we've covered a lot of topics. Um, and I think one of the things I hope that like people get from this conversation about just the importance of not only being your most authentic self, but doing things that like align with your spirit and creating like your own genre of success and happiness. You know, yeah, like that. I think that's like something that it's really difficult in this time man. you know, where we're so consumed with other people's lives. Right. And I'm not sure if we do this like internal audit to see what really moves us as people, who we are, our purpose, how we're designed, like just do, having this whole glossary book of who, like who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that part of the reason why, you know, we're able to have this conversation is just because we've kind of done the internal work, you know, and it's a life, it's a life, lifelong continuum. Right. Um, and, Cause I've just been thinking about like how in, you know, in the backstory of some of our conversations and like how that influences like the relationships that we have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, you know, you can only, uh, 
love someone as deeply as you love yourself, right? And mm-hmm. people can only rock with you as deeply as they rock with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that like I've just kind of been like thinking about a lot lately, right? Just kind of meeting people where they are and meeting yourself where you are and just being patient with yourself, being patient with other people um, and just being really, really compassionate in all things, especially ourselves, man. Like we're divine beings and the fact that we're just here and, in this time and space and present is just is is truly a blessing. Um, so I know that wasn't like direct advice, but if it doesn't move your spirit, then don't get near it. You know, that's something that, I, that I'm just going to. There's another like, one. Yeah, for real, man. If, if something doesn't move your spirit, just stay away, you know, because we have a physiological response to things that's for us yeah. and people that are for us and situations that are for us. Right. So trust your intuition like your life depends on it because it does. You know, um, so that's something that I would say. Um, but as far as like you said, what's the realest talk I've ever had? Mm. That's a mess, man. Everyone around me is <laughs> is, a, is a real one. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. So weekly I have like conversations with like people on my board of trustees. Everyone needs a board of trustees, meaning like four or five or seven, however many people who have like who are like stakeholders of your life, who you go to for decision-making, who always stare you back to your purpose and who you are at your core. Right. Um, and I probably have conversations with them, you know, every two days or so. And one of the things that has been a theme, you know, that my mother always told me is that uh, the best advice I can give you is to be your damn self (laughs) right (laughs) because you are more than enough right and i just wish people like knew that they were more than enough right you don't need the validity from other people or the legitimacy from other people because we are already made with so much greatness within within inside of us right so we just have to tap into that or it's in reach Mm -hmm. right and i just really really hope that um we create like a context in our society to birth a generation of kids who are just disgustingly confident, <laughs> right? <laughs> who are just yeah, not and not arrogant, even though that's that's cool too. If it takes you to be arrogant to to um, if it takes you to be arrogant and also not shit on other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to achieve what you got to and to feel good and to support yourself and your family, then be that. I much rather people I much rather people be arrogant than insecure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. Well and you can you can be confident in yourself, but you don't have to put people down in oh, the process, for sure, right? For yeah. Sure, so you can sure. be arrogant but Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because putting people down is insecurity. No, there's nothing confident or cool about that. Right. That's 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 trash and corny. Um but <laughs> yeah, we we don't do that. Come on, no. what are we doing? Um but um and yeah, the realest talk is just be yourself. That's the best thing I can do. Like, just be your most authentic self. Be disgustingly yourself, right? Be in love with yourself. Whatever your love languages is, do that to yourself, <laughs> right? Whoever you want to date, date yourself that way, right? Um, because we put so much energy in, like, external things. And the truth is we need to do that just for ourselves, you know? Like, there's nothing. Selfishness has a poor connotation. Um, but if you don't do the internal work, then externally, then nothing's going to be a reflection of who and what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't love yourself, who can you love? Preach. Yeah. And I think that's a really good uh, way to kind of start to wrap this interview up is because 
the reason that I even reached out in the first place mm-hmm. was because I was seeing all the stuff that you were posting on Instagram. Yeah. And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the things that we're talking about. It's mental health. It's radical self-love. Yeah. It's believing and being confident in yourself. And I just look at that and I vibe with that. So I'm like, man, this is awesome. And it takes a certain type of person to be putting themselves out there and be endorsing that. And I mean, your Instagram feed is a billboard for what you endorse, right? Yeah. And so seeing you do all that stuff, it just made me wonder, is this, you know, where does this come from? Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. You, be, And especially for males. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially for black males. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't really see people males especially being in tune with their selves and talking about yeah. loving themselves and, yeah. and like the stuff that is on your Instagram at suicide, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you got to drop that handle, <laughs> no, you know? that's all good, that's all good. But but yeah, so th- I'm really glad that we did this because that's that was really where I wanted to kind of go with all of this is just where does that come from? Um, I think the first thing it comes from is my ancestors. You know, I'm, I'm powered by people who gave and sacrificed everything for me to be there and I come from a legacy of folks who are just powerful beyond measure and every single time I talk or think I know that like their blood rushes through me it's in my heart Um, and also I'm powered by our community you know I come from uh, Weston Louisville 15th Street 15 shout out to everybody in 15 Lauren Pat caveman Um, and I have people around me who have always allowed me to be vulnerable and my most authentic self who saw me for like the real me. Um, and then lastly, just like my mother, everything I've ever done in my life is for her. I try to implement her values. She's an, she's the most honest person I know. If anyone, anyone who knows my mother knows she speaks her mind. Right. And I wouldn't say I necessarily do that, do that, but I always know that the only way you can connect with people is through the vehicle of vulnerability. Um, and it's, I'm more than comfortable with who I am. And again, I'm just like at a point where I just want to share like any information, the, the life that I'm creating, how can I help? How can I support? Because again, like, yo, there's people out there who are going to listen to this. I'm like, damn, I, I really can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Or I appreciate that he said that. Um, because you know, your story is a ticket for someone else to be free to share theirs too, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's contagious. So yeah, that, that's it. I, I appreciate this. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. yeah, those vibrations, you know, being vulnerable opens you up to other people that see that and reciprocate that. And that leads to some really beautiful connections. Life is about vulnerability. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's life. Yeah. Final thoughts? Uh, Yeah. First, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, man, I, I, I really appreciate it um, when you reached out. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm leaving the next day, but like, I gotta, get, I gotta connect with you and talk and chop it up a little bit for sure. Um, because again, I really appreciate the work that you're doing, elevating, lifting voices, and just and speaking your truth, right? Um, you know, you may look back and cringe at some of the things and thoughts that you may <laughs> have said. You know what I mean? But like, that's that's the part of the growth process, you know. Don't cancel me. Yeah. Nah, nah. Yeah. You you'll be Gucci. You'll be I. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And then secondly. I definitely just want to take time to say that um, everything that I am is because of my mother. You know, I, I she's she's fifty uh, percent of me, right? That's that's my twin. That's my heart. She's my purpose, and I'm just glad that like I'm I'm able to be back home in Louisville. You know, Louisville is like one of 
the best place in the world to me, man. There's just so much love here. Um, and it's like gen- people are genuinely friendly here too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's it though. I think, but as far as, um, I think earlier you asked about like media or something that I'm, that I'm consuming or something like that. Like, Yeah. Are there any books or podcasts or TV shows or anything that you would recommend that uh, you really, really found meaningful or impactful? Yeah. So first and foremost, books everyone don't have like on um, the time to read books so like you know as we were kind of mentioning earlier so that's definitely a luxury but the, the last book I, I read was the fire next time by james baldwin it's a, it's a beautifully written essay you know his words are visceral you feel them it's just you time travel when you read them um and i would say what's another form of media album estg he just came out it's from louisville incredible incredible artists uh number one album in the country so please support all and everything that's louisville <laughs> hey, <L's> up, baby. <laughs> yeah absolutely and then as far as podcasts def obviously this one right hey number, <laughs> un, numero uno uh, but I li- i've been li- lately i've been listening to uh Debbie Brown, Dropping Gems, Super Soul Podcast. I listen to those like religiously, you know, because when we think about our diet, you know, we never think about our digital diet, right? Like, what are you feeding your brain? What mm-hmm. are you feeding your soul, your spirit? What makes you laugh? What makes you feel joy? And those are podcasts that I just, oh man, in the morning, oh man, it's so sacred just to be filled up. That's my cup of coffee, like listening to them, right? Yeah. You know, working on your spirit. So yeah, those are, those are all the shameless plugs I got. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bro. Yeah, Appreciate man. You, Be safe up in New York. Absolutely. Uh, how much? How much? Uh, how many more years until you're done with NYU program? Oh man, two more years, and then I'll I'll be professor. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's a blessing. I'm I'm just grateful. Sometimes I I wake up in the morning. I'm just like I don't even know how I created this life. You know. So I'm just I'm just grateful. Like I said, I'm I'm celebrated vaccinated and melanated so life's good out here yeah well let that let those let those things carry you into uh completing this and then at some point i'd love to get you back on i hope that it doesn't take us two years to do this again yeah but definitely when you do complete that program it would be great to have you back on and be like man remember two years ago when we were down here doing this and maybe at that point this will be a who knows what the studio might look like, you know? But Oh, yeah. Next time, you're going to have, like, incredible sponsors. You're going to have a decked-out studio. <laughs> this place is going to be, like, full of, like, pictures of, like, celebrities and everything. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just great to be, like, with you, like, in the preliminary process of this just taking off, man, for real. It's, it's special to be here, and I, I appreciate it for sure. These are the mixtape days. That's what I keep saying. It is. It's just so far gone right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Josh Sewell, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me, man. Peace. Okay, now honestly, was that one of the best ones that we've ever done? I think you're lying if you tell me no. I I, I can't believe you. You're talking cap. You're talking fake, man. This is real talk. Be real. Was that one of the best ones that we've ever done? Was that one of the best guests that we've ever had? I think so. Personally, in my opinion, I think so. What he was talking about, about the absence of somebody, when you lose somebody, and what kind of a path that can put you on when you start to have that internal investigation. Like, what does this mean? What am I going to do from here? Where am I going to go from here? Certainly can relate to that. He was dropping dimes all over the place. I mean, information changes your destination. If it doesn't move your spirit, don't get near it. 
Like, these are like, I'm going to put these on a bumper sticker, man. Like, this is going to be my new header on Twitter. Like, my man's just dropping knowledge, that real talk, the wisdom, the life shit. I love that. I love that. It's the reason that I do what I do what I do, okay? And uh, I really, really enjoyed this one. So, please, if you did as well, share it with somebody. Share it to a relative, a family member, a friend, a coworker, anybody. Just plug somebody up. Go tell a random stranger on the street. Be like, hey, I'm throwing you an alley-oop. You don't even realize it, but here's a podcast. Go listen to it. And they're going to be like, thank you, kind stranger. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that's my people out there. You know, people helping people. It's a beautiful thing. Please also leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you are a Spotify listener or wherever you may be listening, however you may be listening, please do that on the Facebook page. That also really helps me out. But that's like, it takes two seconds, guys, please. You know, please, 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 please. I don't know how many times I could possibly say it, but I will if it makes you go and do it. Please go and leave a rating and a review on the show. It really helps me out and uh, makes me feel good also, you know. Not that I should seek validation from those kind of a things, but when I notice, hey, got a new rating on there, got a new little, little, little comment, okay? That kind of stuff just makes me go, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is resonating with people. Like, this matters. That's awesome. So, thank you. Guys, I'm going to be back next week. Roz Poole going to be joining the show. I'm really excited for that one. And go listen to the hiking notes. I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. Hiking notes or hiking thoughts or thoughts from a recent hike. Maybe that's the one. Thoughts from a recent hike. But there's going to be some real talk on them. There's going to be some good stuff. So that's a little bonus episode. Two for one today. All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> also send me your Uber stories. And if you want to be featured on the show on the life advice segment, or you have a story to tell. You're like, hey, I don't want to just send an email. I want to come to the studio. Be like, all right, well, let's talk. You know, let's let's kind of vet things out. Let's feel it out. Make sure that uh, this is this is uh, a good fit. Okay, I'm on board with it. Then cool. You know, and we'll get you in the studio. So reach out, realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com or DM me across any social media channel, and uh, we'll get connected. So. Thank you, everybody. I will see you next week. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.